3: this is Bear Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into uh, Hour 3 of the Tom Sumner Program and Part 2 of this week's edition of Armchair Politics. Uh, joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you as well. Hello, Henry. Did we lose Henry?
4: Oh worry, Henry.
3: <coughs> well, we'll try and get uh reconnected uh with Henry. But we also hey, I'm oh, back. There's Henry, welcome Th- back that Henry. was earlier, Henry. <laughs> that, that was an uh interference call. Ah, okay. Well, and last but not least, we have political operative uh, Bobby Clayton Walton joining our roundtable this week. hey guys okay now <clears throat> here's a here's one that uh, was a little different and I'm curious what uh, what you all think about this. A legal challenge to permits obtained by Enbridge to build an oil pipeline tunnel under the Straits of Mackinac could move forward. After an oversight panel reversed a judge's dismissal, on June 24, the Environmental Permit Review Commission inside the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy, or EGLE, reinstated a petition from the Bain Mill Indian Community, which challenged a permit Enbridge needs to build a tunnel for a rebuilt section of its Line 5 pipeline. In February, Administrative Law Judge Dan Poulter dismissed the tribe's April 26, 21 uh, petition as untimely because Eagle did not receive it until a day after the filing deadline. However, <laughs> the matter was complicated by the time zone difference between <laughs> Illinois, which is in Central Standard Time, and Michigan, oh. which is Eastern Standard Time. It was further complicated by the switch between Standard Time and Daylight Savings. Oh, time. no. Good grief! The the tribes almost an X
4: file story here.
3: Tell me about it. The tribes' attorneys are in Chicago. By unanimous vote, the E.P.R.C. panel said Poulter erred in his dismissal because state code specifies standard time for filings, regardless of what is being observed on the clock on the wall. Enbridge has 60 days to appeal to circuit court or the tribe's case is remanded back to state administrative court. Enbridge obtained the permit last April to discharge wastewater into the lakes and build the tunnel in protected wetlands. The tribe says uh, building the uh, the tunnel could damage historical and cultural sites and artifacts across the Great Lakes bottomlands and shoreline areas plus put at risk their treaty-protected access to clean water and their fishing, hunting, and gathering rights. How much impact will a tribal challenge to the Line 5 Tunnel have?
2: Uh, It should have a lot of impact. (laughs) Because in, in a day that we're recognizing the rights of other Americans, stuff like that, I think the public is changing its view. And it would like to see more negotiation for this. Negotiation is the way to go.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Henry. I I was thinking about all the different um, jurisdictions in that question and looking at the wetlands and the fact that, you know, we have Wetlands Protection Acts and everything like that, uh, which are federal law. I don't know if Michigan has any that protect the wetlands, but I was thinking of the Environmental Policy Act which requires environmental impact statements, but those are generally only required if federal money is involved, and I don't think Enbridge is using federal money, they're using their own, so an environmental impact statement would not be required, but it seems to me there might be some wetlands, federal wetlands laws that maybe could be looked at, I don't know, but it's a very I think the jurisdiction should be with the tribal. With the tribal, and with I the think region. that
2: there are protections for wetlands. Yeah, yeah. So right. much back to the like oxygen and um, and they absorb. Like they are very vital to uh due to uh, the destruction that has been made. Well,
3: very this could take a while if they have as much trouble. Uh, sorting out the jurisdictions as they did Ex- telling time. Exactly. Times. I mean,
4: just the confusion about the time zones is <laughs> bizarre. Uh, right. <laughs> it's going to be the person with the lawyer that has the biggest argument. Yeah. Now, this is a permit to build the tunnel. Is that correct? Yeah. I understand And so, discharge water. I think that was one of yeah, the... Things. Now, here's,
3: yeah. here's something, and this is one of those things you have to you know you have to read through these things and sometimes you have to go through multiple versions of the same story in this particular story there's a phrase that's troubling me in it it says um, uh, the permit enbridge needs to build a tunnel for a rebuilt section of its line five pipeline now (laughs) you know what i'm getting at there we thought that all the trouble was about whether or not to build a tunnel enclosing what could be a risky
4: um, uh, pipeline. Right. Although it, the 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 area under the straits would be just a section of the whole line. The whole line, is that what they're talking about? I mean, it's if you look at the whole line five, that's. The underwater part is, is just a section of it, I gather. Or are we talking about something smaller than that? I don't know.
3: Yeah, see, that's, yeah. you know, it's it's raised a whole different issue because they have to take some part of that pipe apart to repair it unless they're talking about building the tunnel first and then doing the repairs inside the tunnel. I That I don't know. Yeah. Henry, are you
2: back with us? Yes. But engineers know how to do that. They've done that forever. And if we can't, don't have them in the United States, we have them in Japan and Germany and other places in the world. They know how to do it. We know how to do it and do it safely. So Doesn't mean it should be done. Yeah, but if it, if it gives us more of a guarantee that we will not have migration of oil flicks and up from
3: that process and uh. well we've been you know kind of through conversation over the last really couple of years i think uh, been leaning toward this idea of secondary containment as being probably the best solution for everybody but 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 see this adds a new wrinkle because they're talking yeah. about yeah. a tunnel over a rebuilt section, I'm, I'm a little troubled by that. I think people need to look uh, at that. Uh, guys, we all the people that have choice to
2: got to do right. We got to agree that this is the right way, and we all accept responsibility and no poli- politics afterwards. We're all guilty. <laughs> Well, Everything see. is politics,
1: Henry. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't tease it out of anything. You can't
4: get away from it. You know, it's it's part of no. the, part of the game.
2: But we are all the intent of government in the United States when they formed it in 1789 was to do all of these things that would make credible decisions that people believe in and support, and that's part of that extension when we do
3: things like that make constructions that Well, let's uh let, let's move on to this one. This this looks kind of uh interesting. Yeah. US Representative Peter Meyer entered July with more than 10 times as much money available as his primary opponent, engineer John Gibbs, according to new disclosures filed with Federal Elections Commission. Um and without going into all the details of, of who had what money when and all of that, that's just the, the recent tally. But uh, John Gibbs, or John Gibbs rather, has been endorsed by former President Donald Trump. And, um, and of course, Peter Meyer um, is, is one of, what, ten Republicans? That, on the top block. Yeah, that voted to mm-hmm. uh, impeach. Donald Trump when he was president so the the question is considering all this with the primary just two weeks away will money trump Trump (laughs) in the upcoming (laughs) primary
4: Uh, I'm thinking I just might go ahead Henry
2: Uh, one of the uh, You're breaking up, Henry.
3: Yeah. Hello? There you are. Can you hear me? Yeah, Um, you were dropping out real bad there for a minute.
2: Well, I'm not, I haven't moved. I'm sitting in the same spot, outdoors, in the open. Uh, But John Gibbs has to make sure that the Republican namesake doesn't do him in. So he's got to make sure that uh, being black in this kind of segregated area, uh, an endorsement may not help him. He's got to go out and he's got to talk to the people in his own community and convince them that he's the candidate for that position. Otherwise, Meyer will walk all over him
4: i was thinking too henry isn't the grand rapids area much more of what you might call the traditional establishment republicans compared to the trump republicans i I, I thought meyer had the inside track for that reason too even beyond the money issue yeah
1: i think he would have did you notice did you notice that um i think there was quite an upset in maryland last night in their primary because the trump um supported candidate in the Republican ticket won the nomination over the governor's own endorsed candidate. Yeah,
4: yeah.
1: And, and on the Democratic side, it appears that they have a, a black candidate who is a businessman who has been uh, nominated by the Democrats. It's going to be an well, interesting race. Country, yeah. The country's like
2: changing, it. guys. And, and um, we need to move in that direction. I think we're
1: moving, Henry. I don't think any of us are sitting still. I know you're not.
2: I know you're not. Part of the time you're with me, part of the time you're against me, but
3: I (laughs) know. Hey, did... um, Henry,
1: I'm always... Henry, I'm always with you when you're right. That's right, Henry. (laughs) You got some friends here, (laughs) Henry.
2: Thank you.
3: Did did anybody hear uh, the interview I did with Ruth Johnson yesterday? no
2: i, I
3: uh, we had a that a, been interesting. we had a very interesting uh conversation about redistricting um reelection and of course uh election security and um she's uh pretty interesting she she admitted that she cringes when she hears people say, as Paul so often does. That, uh, that the 2020 election might have been one of the most secure in history, but she also said she didn't think there were enough shenanigans to cause any turnover in results. <coughs>
2: Ruth and I are on the same debate. Yeah. Well,
1: I, I appeared before her, oh, I don't know, last year, when, um, in fact, I think I'd been on your show that day, and it was to testify because there was a bill that was being considered and I went to testify against the bill and um, you know she and I had a little bit of a confrontation but um... Her, you know my my estimate of Ruth is that she still wants to be Secretary of State and I think that her criticism of what has been going on and is going on is based more on I could do it better, I know better, I've been there, I did it better and, and so, you know that
3: that impression would not have been changed by the interview that we had yesterday.
1: Okay. I'll just right, I'll just say I'm that much. Chill.
3: But but I want to be yeah. nice to Ruth because she said some really nice things about me in this show yesterday. <laughs> to, yeah. to, well, I don't I don't
1: dislike, I don't dislike her. I think she's smart. I think she's very capable. I think she um, other than the fact she's a Republican. Um, I can't really find a lot to complain about. There was a period did... of time
3: that she almost...
1: Hello,
5: darling. This is oh. We'll Beth be back with, with
3: more Alex right after this.
5: I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters.
3: The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19,
5: Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
4: Hello,
3: this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, we have our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by political operative Bobby Clayton Walton. Um and welcome back, everybody. I guess it was uh, my turn to get cut off. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, we were in the twilight zone. That's right. Yeah, I forgot to I forgot to watch the clock there, but um, well, we, we were going good. Well, and yeah, we were talking about uh, Ruth Johnson and some of her observations about election security. Uh, very different from. Uh, my guest this morning (laughs) that's right kevin rinky um i I also want to squeeze in so since we're talking about guests on the show um that it is my intention tomorrow to have all three of the candidates for flint mayor
4: um Grace. at nine o'clock
3: yeah sheldon at well one each hour and uh, hmm. Sheldon and uh, Karen Weaver have uh, agreed to, to be on the show live tomorrow at 9 and 10, respectively. And I have not heard back from my emails to Eric, so I'm going to try and see if I can confirm him by phone today. But it is my intention to have all three candidates on the show tomorrow. Richard I
2: thought Higgs was running.
4: As
3: well. Yeah, because it's
4: going to be Who's a valuable it? resource. Who? Yeah.
2: Greg. Was, wasn't he a candidate for mayor?
4: Greg, Who? as well? No, not for mayor. Greg. No,
3: no. No. Okay. No, I don't think he, I, I don't uh, think he, Greg he was is running for
2: anything. The okay. I know that. Uh, I, I have to drag me to town so I can pick it up, because I want to hear this one and be able to comment on it next week. So how can I do that? Just well, you could there. drive.
3: You could drive into town and listen to it on ninety two point one FM <laughs> up in the northwest corner of uh, Flint <laughs> <Yeah>. and Genesee <laughs> County. But, um, okay. but you could you could if you can stream it, you can stream it anywhere if you can get it on okay. your computer, and that'd be the best yeah. way to do it. Okay, um, and that's Sorry. at uh, TomSumnerProgram.com. dot sure. com.
4: okay thank you that's how i do it yeah same here
3: okay Okay, where did we uh oh we left off with ruth johnson yeah well that was the end of a section which is what threw me off Um, because we're going to move on to some things from Washington. A Washington, D.C. police officer has corroborated to the House Select Committee investigating January 6th details regarding a heated exchange former President Donald Trump had with his Secret Service detail when he was told he could not go to the U.S. Capitol after his rally, a source familiar with the matter told CNN. The officer with the Metropolitan Police Department was in the motorcade with the Secret Service for Trump on January 6th and recounted what was seen to committee investigators, according to the source. Um, A spokesperson for the committee declined to comment. A spokesperson for the Metropolitan Police Department did not immediately respond to comment. Is this enough corroboration to elevate Hutchinson's account of former president Trump's rift with the secret
4: service above the level of hearsay?
3: I'm concerned
4: about this. You know, it does support it. I mean, maybe not every last little detail about the uh, choking the, the agent and all that, but uh, at least there's some, some kind of a confrontation there.
2: But guys, we got to get it right. We got to get it right. Yeah. This is hearsay. Uh, there must be somebody else. You know, office, I'm you glad know, you said secondary what version.
3: I'm glad you said what you said, Paul, because I believed the steering wheel part of that story immediately, but not the lunging for the throat thing. It yeah.
4: seemed a bit much to me That too. seemed way over <laughs>
3: the top, you know.
4: Yeah. Regardless. Get it
2: right. And the American people will forever be grateful. Get it right. Yeah. Well, one of the questions I have
1: is why, what do we want to know and why do we want to know it? Because the grabbing the steering wheel, you know, what was the motivation, what was the impact of what he did, and what does it mean about the overall picture of what was going on as opposed to the fine details? Do we need to yeah. know it all?
4: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're exactly right, Bobby. I mean, that was a, a kind of a little side story, but the b- bottom line was, how involved was he in the overall planning in this whole thing that may have gone on weeks or months before? Um, at the moment, right, more so than right. what happened in the, in the car. Yeah. And were
1: the, were the Secret Service, were they trying to keep him from getting into further trouble, or were they trying to keep him safe because they knew there was going to be some sort of violence?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: yeah. Good, good analogy. Uh, Yeah, I think um, as far as the Secret Service refusing to let him go to the Capitol, um, and and stating for reasons of his safety, doesn't necessarily mean that they knew or had overheard something about planned violence. Just that the risk was high, high enough that they they weren't going to take the
1: chance. they could see what was going on already outside the car. And then, of course, there's the question that arose when Mike Pence refused to get into the car, that they were trying to take him away from the Capitol. That was another incident with the Secret Service that we need more detailed about also.
4: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We need to get this right for all times, for all Americans, and for the country. But as history, history, the, the, the big story is
4: how much early planning was there? Well, this, this was clearly not an accidental, uh, you know, seat of the pants kind of a judgment. Clearly, there was some planning going on. I think that's the bigger story more so than, you know, who got into what car and who said what to whom in the cars, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's, Yeah, it's, right. it's, but Bobby um,
3: raises an interesting question about why the Secret Service was manhandling Donald Trump to prevent him from going and why they didn't manhandle the vice yeah. president. To insist that he leave, right um, to, keep, they, to the, keep him safer.
1: Yeah, um, I think there there's a lot of um, in, there's a lot of intention that is part of that whole picture that we probably yeah
3: would I like think to we need to about. know more about both events and I I for one you know would. Imagine that the Secret Service will say something like a determination was made that there were places in the Capitol they could keep him safer than wherever they were planning to take him.
2: There are people yet in Washington who can speak for the uh, Secret Service, and and, uh, we haven't heard from them. So uh, anything that we do now is strictly speculation based upon hearsay. And we have to get it right because the American people want it to get it right. I want to get it right. We don't want to. Well, I want. Uh, I
1: like want America. to know. Were, I want to know. Were we in danger of losing our democracy? Were we in danger of having yes. a coup exercised? And were we? Were we? Um, a victim of loose uh, procedures and bad oversight, and perhaps even bad rules and laws that need to be changed. Because we can't, we can't risk this
2: happening again, Yeah, see, that's, you and I are on the same page,
3: what, Paul, but what we do you gotta think, get it right? Paul, what do we you think do the it. legality would have been had um, had the members of Congress and Senate just abandoned the Capitol and, went and conducted their business, say, at Trump Hotel?
2: Oh ah, no! Question. You, you I, can't change it. Jurisdiction does not occur that it's got to be within oh, the building. No, it's got to be within the building. Required that it take building. place
4: in the capital. Uh, yes. It,
2: no, it's got to be in a government functioning building. The Kyle schools can't move to any other place, hmm. but uh, state uh, sanctioned buildings. We cannot. You cannot have a school board meeting at my house, although I may be president. Although
3: they're um, no. interesting, but the yeah. Flint school board has, of course, they've they've met at schools, haven't they?
4: Yes. That's true. When they've
3: That's gone all, off-site, they've, all they've gone to schools. governmental functions
2: must occur on governmental properties. Anything so else they, is not sanctioned.
4: They could have gone to the Pentagon, I suppose, or some yes, other governmental they building have in the in area, area, but not not yeah. the local, local hotel, maybe, huh?
2: Well,
4: yeah. yeah, maybe they could have gone to the Congressional Library <laughs> or <laughs> maybe, gone uh, into
2: the basement. Yeah. Or gone into the basement.
4: yeah. yeah.
3: Well, I'm just wondering if they had if they had just abandoned the capital and let it fall to the yeah, insurrectionists, could powers. they have still conducted their business at a secondary location? Would it still be yes, legal they if they went to the Pentagon or if they went to yes. you know, OEOB, you know, to one of the office buildings and
2: Guys, I am firm on this. I believe this. That they could go anywhere else, uh, but it's got to be a government-sanctioned building.
3: I think you're right, Henry. I, mm. I, I think you're right. But I was curious if, if it was possible, um, because they, they clearly had to postpone their business because of the yeah. insurrection, and it was conducted yeah. much later at night.
1: Yeah, I had another thought about the Secret Service agents. When we talked earlier and I said, I remember hearing people talk about Trump choosing his Secret Service agents that were loyal to him. Uh, Pence, Pence did not have the Secret Service agents chosen by Trump, I'm sure. I'm sure they were those who were loyal to Pence and they followed Pence's lead um, without having a, um, an overall motive to protect
2: Trump. Uh, by the way, Tom, uh, you know, uh, this question that you asked, could they conduct business anywhere else? I believe if you go back to 1812, Madison was president, and the British stormed the White House. So Madison escaped. He went somewhere else. But I don't know where he went. I don't even know whether it was a government building uh, to uh, uh, strategically take care of business at hand. But uh, do you know? Does days. anybody on the does anybody on the staff know on the roundtable, table know what where no, I don't Madison
4: conducted? Yeah, so there were there weren't many backup places just, in those days, obviously <laughs> no. compared to now.
3: Yeah, you had to be careful where you went in those hmm. days. That, so was, that, that was the question, Madison, Madison presidency. Y-
2: yes, when the when the British stormed the White House and burned that.
3: Yeah, I think the only, right. I think the yeah. only thing I really remember and not remember firsthand, but. Remember hearing about that event was um, that Dolly Madison set the table?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right.
3: Before leaving, <laughs> well, I
4: think. Did she think save the portrait of George Washington too?
1: Right, right, right. She saved a painting or two or something. Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah but
2: but now that we we we're asking this question, has that ever happened before? Uh, we could uh, our vice president today have done what uh, Madison did? Under the circumstances, I, I don't know. But today's requirements is that you must conduct your business in a, a state-sanctioned
3: building. Yeah, Sancti- I think you're right. Good building. point, Henry.
2: But that's, I'll have to do some research on that. Go back and find out what happened to my man, Madison. <laughs>
1: yeah, he yeah. probably took shelter in the home of a, a friendly person. Probably, that's yeah. That's probably yeah.
2: what happened. Because you couldn't trust everybody in those days. Some were Whigs and Tories. Yeah. Yep. I yep, just yep. My to,
1: favorite overture, by the way, the eighteen
4: twelve. Yeah. Eighteen twelve. Could, could, could he have gone oh, yeah. to, a, to yeah. another? Could he have gone to a state capitol? Could it have to be a federal building. Could he have gone to a, a no, state it, capital it has nearby? No, it had to be a government
3: sanctioned uh, building,
4: or, or, or Richmond or something. No,
3: have sure. to be a, I think yeah. it would have to be a federal but, building.
4: Yeah, I don't know. Um maybe well, maybe the, the, maybe the Treasury. Yeah. Or yeah. A military base?
3: Yeah. Military yeah, base. That's government would, owned. Yep. Yeah. A military base would qualify. Um they could have, you know, perhaps yeah, that's a gone, that he could have gone. Probably could have gone to Andrews.
4: Yeah. Or Beetle Bailey's barracks. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, President Joe Biden on Saturday capped a four-day trip to Israel and Saudi Arabia, his first trip to the Middle East since taking office. The president started his trip by meeting with Israeli leaders to expand security ties with the nation and discuss countering efforts by Iran to destabilize the region. Or the region, rather. Uh, he next went to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia where he attempted to reassure national leaders and the rest of the world that his administration remains committed to actively engaging in the Middle East and not allowing Russia or China to expand their geopolitical influence. On Friday, he sought a reset of relations with the Saudis as he looked for ways to lower high gas prices in the U.S., which have contributed to a significant drop in Biden's approval ratings. That reset began with a widely criticized fist bump with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, also known as MBS, whom the U.S. has accused of sanctioning journalist Jamal Khashoggi's Khashoggi's, uh, murder, Biden said he raised Khashoggi's mur- murder directly with the crown prince and indicated he believed MBS was responsible for it as he emphasized <laughs> the U.S. commitment to human rights. What actions should President Biden take to hold MBS accountable for Khashoggi's, uh, or Khashoggi's uh, murder? Hmm. Has he done enough? The one that leads to the truth, if he knows that, he's got to get it right. <laughs>
2: Gives some evidence about a
3: degree well he sounds pretty convinced that uh, mbs was uh, was responsible or certainly sanctioned it um, so what's to be done about it i don't know. i
4: mean
3: i think that too. go ahead
4: I was going to say. I think the reality is. I mean, historically, we've dealt with some pretty nasty characters for a lot of reasons. We we were allied with Joseph Stalin during World War II. Uh, Nixon met with Mao Zedong in the early nineteen seventies, and you know, in the world, you do deal with some pretty nasty characters. Uh, yep, and for all kind of reasons.
1: I think uh, I think we we make a mistake if we don't look at these issues with cold eyes and realize that we have to measure our own benefit and what makes us um, in a better position internationally as well as nationally whenever we do deal with them. And sure, it's an emotionally charged issue over the horrible death of a, a reporter that was working with, the, uh, I believe it was the Washington Post. And it was horrible, but what exactly do people expect him to do? And I think the fist bump was just a substitute for a handshake in the, in the age of COVID. And I just think we're just gagging at that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um,
2: and uh, you know, uh, guys, a lot of people won't agree with me. And I'll get criticized, but I'll accept it. I've grown up with shoulders enough to accept it. <laughs> but sometimes Joe Biden is the president of the United States. He's our president. And whether you're a Democrat or Republican, He represents all of us across the board. We don't have to agree with him. We can fight with him. But we don't do things to drive his approval rating in the eyes of the world less than what it should be. And I think that that is so ugly, and it endangers all of us. It endangers the the democracy. And people need to think about this, and I hope that they will criticize me for this, for saying this, but I also have a good reputation against it. Thank you. Once
1: again, you're
2: right, Henry. oh, oh thank you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> she really does always agree with you when you're right, Henry.
2: <laughs> Only when, when you're right, though. Then right, but wait till my critics hear this. Then you,
3: <laughs> I won't hear a word from you. Well, I, the the fist bump um i i agree was just a substitute for a handshake in the age of of covid but um but it's being for, treated like the uh the Barack Obama bow in uh, right
4: Ava. exactly yeah. yeah
2: which was a hand we'll right. never forget that
3: I mean, you know, he went to meet with the guy. There are certain, you know, social amenities that are practiced, and it doesn't necessarily mean you think it was okay to kill a reporter. Right.
1: That's right. That's right. And he did express his his, um, his ire about it. I, what is he supposed to do? You know. You know you can hardly yeah, I'm not sure what more senior, he can yeah.
3: do. I mean, he did he did make the statement, and... Uh, By all accounts, he did, you know, express his displeasure directly, you know, to the source. So I'm not sure what else he he really could do. One thing I want to make sure we get into uh, before we go to break and and move on to the X-Files is White House Economic Advisor Jared Bernstein told CNN on Sunday that President Joe Biden will pursue his climate agenda with or without Congress following the news Thursday, the West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin wouldn't back climate or tax provisions in his party's budget reconciliation package. I think the president is very much uh, and very compelled um to get Congress to work with him on his climate agenda. He's already taken unprecedented action, and I think this is important because if he can't find a legislative path to clean energy, the urgency of the problem is so significant that, as he said on Friday, he will find an executive order and rule change path to get there, Bernstein told CNN's Dana Bash on State of the Union. Biden said Friday during his trip to the Middle East that he would take strong executive action in response to Manchin walking away from a deal to address the climate crisis, citing concerns over spending and inflation. Are current gas prices encouraging or discouraging momentum on combating climate change?
4: Hmm. Uh. Um. I would say tempora- very temporarily discouraging, probably. Yeah, yeah, it's
2: it so. good. Maybe,
1: maybe that's it depends where upon go. whether you. Maybe it depends upon whether you live in an area where the temperature is 105 degrees. <laughs>
4: True. Well,
3: I still think there's an element, and I think this is maybe what Paul is thinking. There's an element of when gas prices are are this really exaggeratedly high um, there's there's a sense of let's not rock the boat about anything so these prices will come back down even though that may not be right headed it I, I think it is kind of an initial reaction. Yeah
4: I, I, again I, I think it's temporary but I think that's the reaction right now yeah
2: but the Well there's a
4: lot of <clears throat> There's an awful lot of people that don't
1: look very far into the future, too. They're all, you know, of-the-moment people, and so those are the ones, I think, that would react that way. But I heard an interesting commentary last night by a, somebody who's a leader in the environmental movement who suggested that what Biden could do or what the federal government could do is to refuse to permit some pipeline that Mansion wants in the state of West Virginia uh-huh. and until until he yields and and goes along with the plan
4: well
1: yeah. that's one way and maybe deliberate. that's what biden could do did yeah they, maybe that's what Biden. did they have could
3: do. a specific pipeline in mind <laughs>
1: i think so i think i think this woman did have i don't think it was hmm. just you know hot air
4: hmm.
1: i don't know there's an awful lot of environmental stuff that goes on in west virginia
2: Oh, that's true. Guy, yeah, we thought that we would cut our gas emissions and our carbon footprint uh, by fifty uh, percent by two thousand thirty-five, and right. that's nowhere promised in the practices that were occurring today. We are moving in the opposite direction. The demand for energy has gone up,
3: well, and that's, the that's sources
2: a... for creating energy.
3: Has become more costly. Well, that's a problem. And on that note, we're going to take a uh, short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we uh, go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And don't forget, you can go to that uh, site and go to uh, our archives to listen to past interviews. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now,
4: and now, and now too, and even now.
1: Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the
3: Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. In that segment, we uh, save for the end of the show, the uh, X-Files, where (laughs) we look at those weird and wacky stories that sometimes uh, seem awfully akin to what's in the mainstream (laughs) headlines but uh, those things that are hard to believe but true Uh. okay let's see here's one Uh, an Oklahoma noodler was arrested and reportedly confessed to killing his fishing partner claiming he did so to stop Bigfoot from coming to eat him Mm. <laughs> Larry <laughs> Well you can't make this stuff up. Larry Doyle Sanders, fifty-three, had been noodling a way of catching catfish by hand, with friend Jimmy Knighton, also fifty-three, along the South Canadian River in uh Pontotoc County on Saturday, according to KTEN. Larry claimed that while at the river, he discovered Jimmy intended to feed him to Sasquatch. Um, (laughs) According to NBC News, uh, Larry indicated uh, Jimmy attempted to get away from him so that the Sasquatch could eat Larry. The Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations told KFOR that Sanders thought Knighton basically tricked him into being out there, and that the two fought for an hour. Sanders allegedly choked Knighton to death near the river, then went home and confessed to his daughter, who is dating Knighton's son. Oh, good grief! <laughs> he appeared to be under the influence of something. Sheriff John Christian told K T E N. His statement was that Mr. Knighton had summoned Bigfoot to come and kill him. That's why he had to kill Mr. Knighton. The Oklahoman reported that Sanders had outstanding warrants from two drug-related cases. In 2019, he was placed on probation for five years for bringing meth into the jail after being arrested for public intoxication. Um, KXII reported that Sanders is now facing a charge of first-degree murder. If you're going to go noodling in Bigfoot countries, should you always take a friend that you can sacrifice to the Sasquatch?
4: <laughs> good, yeah. <Or> Probably <laughs> a wise move. <laughs> I just yeah, want really to... I was wondering... We're, we're I drugs, think we We're, we're drugging about anyway. in
1: <laughs> any Yeah, offer him a fish. Although, I, I have friends who are big Sasquatch hunters, and I understand Sasquatch is actually a vegetarian, so I don't think that's that story holds
3: <laughs> anyway. Well, well, you know, I, I saw there was a, a television show, a cable channel uh, was carrying a television show, I think called um, Searching for Bigfoot or uh, In Search of Bigfoot or something, and they would go to these different parts of the country where there had been sightings, and they spent some time in the UP, <laughs> and they did an episode from the up of uh searching for bigfoot and they were using pasties as uh bait sure which i thought was kind of funny um well did they catch anything <laughs> nah, I, guess I don't not. think so um they there were some questionable noises and sightings, as there often are <laughs> with those shows.
4: Well, that's what happens when you read pasties, and I that's know it's like. You, you, you never know what you're going to get, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe questionable odors, too. Huh? All right. <laughs>
3: Well, Albion College in Michigan snapped to it and closed a nature center on its campus after two separate gator sightings in the Kalamazoo River last weekend, according to Midland Daily News. The Kalamazoo River cuts through the White House Nature Center's uh, 140 acres. According to the college, there were two independent sightings of a a four to five foot alligator In response, the college posted a warning on Facebook asking people to stay away from the Nature Center and be aware around bodies of water. Lena Kelly, director of Michigan's uh, Critchlow Alligator Sanctuary, told WILX-TV that alligators aren't subject to harsh Michigan weather conditions, and it is not, uh, and if it, let's see, um... If it's not caught by October, the poor animal will just die. Kelly also said that there were not uh, many alligators in Michigan, even though owning an alligator as a pet is legal. If you have an alligator as a pet, there are places that you can take it uh, to rather than just dumping it off in a local lake and (laughs) pond and making it someone else's problem, uh, Kelly said. The alligator wasn't the first big reptile spotted in Michigan this year. Officers with the Lake County Sheriff's Office discovered an alligator in a man's car after a police chase last month. On its Facebook page, the Sheriff's Office joked that the alligator was not facing charges despite trying to leave the scene.
4: (laughs) Maybe he was an emotional support alligator. (laughs) Well, which do you think... Which Did do you think the alligator? You know, yeah,
1: right, yeah. Which which do you
3: think fare better in Michigan lakes and streams, gators or crocs?
1: <laughs> hmm. I was thinking <laughs> sharks maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it would seem to me crocodiles tend to be much more tropical, right? I think so. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, I well, think alligators yeah.
4: might survive better yeah and, and alligators are more often used as pets i think I, you know people do that maybe they, they get bigger than they realize and they don't, don't know what to do with them and they're pretty good
1: sized creatures when they get big well oh, yeah. i wouldn't want what they have in florida which is those huge pythons
4: that are wandering around that's right those began as pets and then people released those and they're all over the everglades yeah yeah
3: well a flightless bird was stuck using its two feet as it darted through traffic during an escape in Houston. Police said they responded to a traffic hazard when residents spotted an emu roaming the city's streets on Thursday. Uh, Drivers in the area, including Twitter, uh, Twitter user at Ratchet Nerd, shared... clips of the emu mistaken for an ostrich its larger cousin as it paraded through the city the video shows the emu running through an intersection and toward oncoming traffic as it dodges vehicles abc 13 in houston shared the following uh, social po- social media post y'all see this ostrich somebody done lost the ostrich <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't an ostrich actually but you can mark a houston uh, Police chase with an emu off your bingo card. This witness's uh, narration definitely made us laugh today. Police were eventually able to get the emu and return it to its owner, according to the Houston Chronicle. The emu was the only animal to make a surprise cameo in Houston this week. Days earlier, a doorbell camera captured a group of cows moseying through a a Houston neighborhood. Uh, should Liberty Mutual warn people when they're filming
4: insurance commercials? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that even wasn't trying to sell insurance to somebody, was it? <laughs> I was picturing Officer Billy Bob with his lasso. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> oh, man. That's really funny.
3: <laughs> well, my my favorite is that, that post from the TV station <laughs> where they said, uh, uh, let's see. Um, y'all seen this ostrich? Somebody done lost their ostrich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. I want to say thanks to uh, Bobby Walton for joining us. It's always a treat when Bobby's here.
4: Thanks. Yeah. I always enjoy Thank it. Thank you, too. Bobby. Thank you, Bobby. It's always good talking to you.
3: And, of course, our thanks. round our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki. Paul, it's always a treat.
4: Always great to be here.
3: And, Henry, it's always such a pleasure um, to have you join the group. Thank you. And, Especially uh, when
2: you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, i I'm impressed with you occasionally. You just... Uh... <laughs>
3: uh, and I want to say thanks uh, also to... Um, my guest this morning, Kevin Rinke, uh, GOP candidate in the uh, August primary coming up in two weeks for Michigan governor. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that, you can always go to our website and uh, and find it in the 9 o'clock hour on today's date and uh, and play it back. Anyway, there's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's uh, time to head on out. and. Uh, down to the living room, but I will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Hopefully, we'll be talking to all three of the candidates for Flint Mayor in tomorrow's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. In the meantime, good night, everybody.
0: The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show